Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Episode 18, Mind Walk. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Sorry that I missed last week, but it's 2023. I've already said happy 2023 to the two of you, but for everyone listening, happy 2023 to you all. So yes, happy to be here and can't wait to talk about this. And and Cal, what is our offline motto for 2023 that we just said? Our offline motto for 2023 is we're going to begin going live. No, get buckets, man. Get buckets. Okay, well, <laughs> because twenty three, Michael Jordan get but we we just we just said it. And what, and say, okay, go ahead. All right. No, you're right, man. We did say we're so as Kyle was just saying before, I so rudely interrupted him. We're going to try to do these episodes live. So if you are following us on the YouTube's, you should be able to subscribe there and listen and comment interactively live. We also may be pushing this show out to other platforms as well. But for right now, I think we're going to do YouTube and, and maybe one or two others. And thank you so and, much, Cal, because I, I know I, <laughs> I was just kidding with you, dude. <laughs> see, and no one paid attention to me. You guys totally ignored when you said 23. I had to have that little backup comment of 45 because I wanted a little bit of props that I knew that his second number was 45. Nobody gave me that. Yeah, true, true. I give that to you. I give that to you. Although those are some dark years, dark years. But I knew them nonetheless. Here's a test for you. What was his baseball jersey number? 45. 45. That's easy, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> we weren't born yesterday. We were not. We actually were born like way yesterday. <laughs> Yesteryear. <laughs> yes. In the olden days. <laughs> Yesterdecade. <laughs> oh, Lord. And another voice you hear there's, of course, Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing this time, man? Man, I am doing great. I'm glad to be here talking trick with you guys on our brand new year and the actual date, star date 2023.19. Let's get going. Yeah, 23. Get buckets. Get buckets this Getting year. Get buckets. Has nothing to do with Star Trek, but I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> Odo had a bucket. I he did. Crit. He did. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was a, a very sad bucket, I would say, but yeah. <laughs> If you're listening for the first time or if you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for subscribing. Of course, what we do here in this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel to all decks. I want to give a shout out to someone who wrote in to our show. And I just have Ultra Woman. She emailed in and... She commented on this episode we're talking about tonight. She wrote, and she she actually, I got this email in before I even saw the episode myself, but she wrote, this is excellent. Dal and real Janeway swap bodies. Real Janeway is in a brig at the end. I give it a solid five stars. Thank you, Ultra Roman, for writing in. A bit of a spoiler, but it did not tarnish (laughs) the enjoyment of this episode because I enjoyed it regardless. So, Thank you for writing in. And um, yeah, if anybody else has any comments about anything we talk about, please send it in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. And we are ready to go ahead and get into our review of Mindwalk, which was written by Julie and Shauna Benson. 
The episode was directed by Song Shin. Desperate to warn Starfleet of their dilemma, a daring experiment goes awry as Dal inadvertently swaps minds with a Starfleet Vice Admiral. All right, for everyone listening who has not yet figured out what's going to be happening in this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because I really love saying this, and from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to talk about this episode. And like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Quite frankly, you never know. Mr. Jones, do you have do you have anything for us this week, sir? Yes, I do. Are you ready? Let's do it. Captain Dalway. Hey, Cal, Cal, I'll give you credit. It's a lot better than Abmerdow. Abmerdow. <laughs> Sounds like a cream. <laughs> no, it's an ointment. I just say that summed it up perfectly. I mean, Captain Dalway. I like it. Yeah, I like it. John, give us your high level thoughts of this episode, man. Uh, so just another great episode, man. I did. I did love it. I kind of feel in this one kind of like you felt on last week's. I don't think it really added a whole lot to our our journey, I guess to say. Yeah, it did answer a few questions. It did kind of give us the good warm fuzzies. You know, it's and so let me say this. I've been watching a lot of TV lately because, you know, as my injury not long ago, I can't really do anything. So I just sit around and watch TV. So I've been watching a lot of series and what I'm finding, at least the shows that I'm watching for a while, shows have gotten to the point where they build up something and build up and they'll build up a drama and like they just never would tie it off. It just kind of left you like, mm-hmm. oh, why does it keep doing this? Why are they not doing this? Well, here lately, all the shows I've been watching, they've been kind of like tying things off neatly in a timely way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is kind of what I got here. Like. I, I, I would have been okay if we had drawn out another episode of Admiral Janeway not knowing what's going on, but I just love the way they just kind of settled that part so we can move on. Yeah. And that's what I've been feeling from these episodes lately. I think they're giving us the information we've been looking for since the very beginning, very slowly. Not not in a way that I, that makes me angry. Of course, I we always want them to get to the point faster, but... I think they've done it in a, a very clever way. And, and this episode was no exception, especially having kind of this circumstance. Maybe maybe even going back to what you said last week, John, you you look to the holodeck episodes for the acting. I think this episode was definitely a grand display of acting, in my opinion, not not so much in a thespian <laughs> way, but more in a I'm trying to impersonate this other character type of way. Yes. And considering the fact that these are voice actors, I mean, I know they're actors as well, but the animation paired with the voice acting gives us this awesome awkwardness at some point. And I mean, just very, very well done across the board. But let me say this real quick about the comment that one of you made or the point that one of you made in regards to last week's episode and this week's episode, 
I watched, I started watching last night. I had not watched last week's, what we reviewed, you know, with the holodeck episode and wound up watching that episode, this episode, and the two-part finale all in one swoop. And I think had this past episode, the holodeck, and this one been paired together in a 40-minute episode, I think it would have felt more like there was a little bit more going on. Yeah. But because they were broken up into the, you know, 20 minute part, because I thoroughly enjoyed them because they just flowed from one to the other to the other. But I think if we would have paired them 40 minutes as opposed to 20, 25, 23, whatever, that it would have felt a little bit more substantial. Not saying this wasn't, but just to comment on what you guys said before. It sounds like you got engrossed. You just kept watching. Uh, Doesn't sound like it was 100%. (laughs) That's what it was. The whole premise of this episode is something we've seen recently in Star Trek. And it makes me think, are they trading notes? It's it's just like almost too on the nose of (laughs) what we just saw in Strange New Worlds with Spock. I think it was done well in that episode where we have this Freaky Friday switch bodies type of situation. But like you mentioned, Kyle, it's the voice acting performance and also the animation, which is gives it gives it the extra oomph to make it believable. Well, not only that, like, I, again, you just said it, but I just kind of want to emphasize on it. I was watching like when right after the initial transfer and Dahl is trying to, you know, figure out if he's dreaming or not. Like, even the animated mannerisms of Dahl came through Yeah, in Admiral Janeway. Like, it, it just, the movements just were perfect. The part of the animation that I really, really liked was the awkwardness of Janeway, of how she was moving, as even the yeah. facial expression seemed like this teenage boy, even though this is this character that we've known you know for decades now as Janeway and we see her as that but but I just saw a teenage boy yeah. in, in that moment <laughs> yeah. because just it, it just felt awkward looked awkward and that helped sell it especially yeah. the dual finger guns I love that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a down signature right there so let's talk a little bit about how we got into this situation we're trying to find a way to communicate Protostar to Dauntless, a way to get Janeway and her crew this message. And they come up with this idea of Dal having all of these innate abilities because of his augmentation that possibly using some of his Vulcan DNA or whatever, maybe we can send a message over to Admiral Janeway. John, all this science i'm holding quotes here the science of that in star trek did that make sense to you of how that all played out yes it it did (laughs) i mean okay there's it's a stretch for sure i get that but and don't ask me to give you specific references but we have seen in trick where i don't know if i really want to say thought Mm. but biology was transferred with technology outside of the transporter Uh In one way or another, and whether it be a transporter beam or uh, something from the deflector dish, or I'm not sure if we ever done it with the phaser, Uh possibly, but I I, I was okay with it. It didn't bother me. I I, I stamped it as plausible in trick. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely made sense to me as far as a Trek thing. And I think I had qualms when we were watching Strange New Worlds and Spock switched bodies. I'm like, uh, really? But here, I, I don't know. Maybe my <laughs> disbelief is just gone because I had no problem with it. The physical connection was made from the phaser blast. Eh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll buy it. Let's do it. So I had no problem with it. Hey, it it's a directed energy, so I, it's plausible. But see, one thing that made it a little bit more believable to me was you have this being with all these different genetic traits spliced into what he is. So it just made a little bit more sense that you took part of the telepathy and part of this other race and paired both of them to explain that what was going on. Who do we think fared better in the switch? I mean, I think I know the obvious answer here, <laughs> but what, what are your thoughts? Let's, let's cover Dal first. Kyle, we mentioned the awkwardness of the animation, which very much lent into the believability of the switch, but it, it felt a little weird that he was just so utterly clueless. <laughs> he had no clue. But he always is. <laughs> Every time he's faced with a new situation, he's either utterly clueless or just destructively reckless. <laughs> it's the best I could come up with. But let's give him just a little bit of a leeway, if you don't mind. Let me give just a little leeway, because imagine putting yourself into his shoes. He was on the ship. He shut his eyes. Not only does he wake up on another ship, but he is in a woman's body. Yeah. And and to add to the complexity, I think this gave him this looked like to me the most problems and it would have given me the same. He woke up in heels. <laughs> he couldn't walk. Yeah. <laughs> that would throw me off totally. But when he eventually got to the bridge, he was like, I'll just do what y'all do. I'm going to take a nap. And all the time, the, the doctor, which I think the doctor gave a very Bones-esque performance in the way he was trying to get 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 Janeway to sickbay. You know, I felt that was a very Bones-esque performance that he gave in this episode. And he, ga and he gave us a Snickers commercial with coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. You're not quite yourself. Take this. <laughs> Oh man, I loved all of that interaction. And speaking of the diviner, and I forget the the ensign's name, the Valdicott ensign's Asin, name. Asin, 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 skipped over this I, yeah i think we did <laughs> yeah but the fact that janeway got knocked out and put in a closet <laughs> you know <laughs> so we start there and just to wake up in that situation and be fumbling around and get to the point in this episode where we see the diviner have a little heart to heart with dal and talk about gwen i thought that was pretty pretty interesting and pretty cool to see that he really is doing this for his people and he feels like it's the only way and he doesn't really want to do it seemingly so let me let me let me ask do we think this is genuine diviner or do we think there's ulterior motive mm. i think that when the destruction of your people is imminent you'll do anything to ensure their survival well no i get that but let's just say his more softer, lenient side of letting Dal Janeway go. Mm. You know, like I, the hatred that it built up, built up in him, 
Like, it's hard for me to see he turned that around from just the act of kindness of Vice Admiral Janeway. So either either it's a manipulation or whatever happened to him has changed something and he's not fully himself yet. Mm. So let me ask this question. Well, I actually have two questions, but let me ask this directly to yours. Could it be perhaps that he has seen in this other person that he's met from his time, the one that was in disguise, do you think he's feeling that she has no regard for his daughter and that paternal instinct is kicking in more so than the mission that he's in? Maybe that's where we're seeing perhaps. So he's getting to look in in a mirror at himself and doesn't like what he see. Maybe so. Now, the only pushback I have to that is when, you know, Dreadnought was constantly pushing him to not trust his prodigy. And I think at a certain point, he kind of gave into that and kind of wrote her off. So where did that go? Maybe it could have been just being apart from her kind of made him, you know, long for her more. I mean, it is his child, too. And that's another thing. Is it? Did we come to that it's, conclusion? It's his spawn. It's his yeah. offspring. However she got here. It's, yeah. <laughs> the reason I think that he let Janeway go, he said it himself. It was just a means to an end. He didn't probably want to really want to let her go, but he had to let her go in order for the Dauntless to get to Starfleet and have the mission can continue. So that's why he let her out of the brig. So to tie into what you just said, my second question was, does he think that's Janeway or does he know that's Dal? And there's a reason I asked that question. Well, I believe he thinks it's Janeway just because when she woke up, she said, Diviner. And he said, I knew it was a ma- only a matter of time before you yeah. figured out who I was. Yeah, he did. He did. And Dal already know who he is. So you think that he knows that it's Dal? No, no he he still thinks it was uh, Admiral Janeway. The only reason I think that he might have suspected, or I wonder if he caught the fact that oh yeah he there says you Gwen, yeah, right. you know, or Janeway says Gwen at one point, right? Yeah. But I think they knew about they knew the names at that point already. I think. Yeah, but I think I'm with you, Cal, because I think at that point when Dal Captain Dalway. <laughs> <laughs> mentions uh says i would do anything for gwen i think at that point he kind of caught on to it like you know yeah. even if even if janeway knew her name i don't think she's close enough to her to say to do i would anything. do anything yes. right but i will say in any case that was like a intentional or not or knowing or not that was still like a wonderful bonding moment over over gwen you know yes because both of them apparently really love her <laughs> and let me say just one more time, and I know I'm a, so much of a broken record here, but we are talking about the emotional binds of cartoon characters. <laughs> that is good freaking writing. And again, a subject that you forget and a lot to do with the writing and the animation. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another emotional bond, because some of these moments with Admiral Janeway and Dal's body and some of the things that were said throughout the course of of, of her being aboard the Protostar were were really just hit me, hit me in, in the feels. So how do we feel about Janeway's encounter with the Protostar crew? Any takeaways from that? Mm, it's exactly what I expected from Janeway when she met the crew. 
You know, and I said a while back, if they could just talk to Janeway, I think she would lean more toward being open to what they were saying before jumping to a conclusion that they were up to no good. So I appreciated that. Number one, uh, number two, I, I guess my favorite interaction was Jane, Janeway and Dial's body interacting with hologram Janeway. Uh, so good. So good, man. I didn't expect this, but I love this. I expected to see what I had mapped it out in my head. Yeah, you predicted well, this, didn't you? This is what you predicted I, from the beginning. Yeah, and it didn't come through the way I thought it would. But I loved it so much more. I, I expected this Admiral Janeway and all of her authority, and it looks like they're fixing to be sent to the brig, and then she says no, fill in the blanks or whatever, happy time or whatever. But I liked this because it let her meet them outside of normal context. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked that. And my favorite moment in the whole freaking episode was when Dal says, I'm Admiral Janeway. I was like, yes, mm. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> uh, how about that reaction to uh, Admiral Janeway on a protostar when she wakes up with Murph in her face? <laughs> <laughs> of course. What is that? Of course. (laughs) We finally get this moment with Janeway and Janeway. And I appreciate the fact that they switched from Dal's body to visually showing us with the two Janeways finally face to face. Was was that what you expected? I so expected it to be a little bit more confrontational because that was just like I said, how I had mapped it out in my head. But I have no complaint about it. I, I liked it. I I don't want to, you know, get into the last two episodes, but I was wondering what's next for both of those characters <laughs> at that point. Let me say why this hit me in the feels, because I can remember so many times when watching Voyager of Janeway being on that little console trying to fix the doctor. So we get this scene of her trying to fix or she actually did fix the the hollow Janeway in a very similar fashion. So that mm. just took me right back to Voyager. Her and Bellana trying to fix the Doctor. It, <laughs> it, it it just had me. It just really had me. Yeah, kind of kind of takes you back to when the Doctor was having all the issues and Janeway was sitting in the holodeck with him for hours on the end, waiting yeah. for him to work it out. Like, yes. it's, and that, again, that's kind of what led me to know this is how this would turn out because Janeway has always been that person to lean more toward the side of openness and acceptance. Mm. And, you know, let's, let's, let's see all the cards first before we make a decision. Yeah. And that, that's always been her, her go-to and that's what we saw here. But I have a question and this is interesting and I hadn't watched the next two episodes. So if you guys know the answer to that, obviously don't say, but, it concerns me that the vice admiral security clearance isn't enough to reboot the ship. She said her her security clearance could fix Janeway because she was a non-essential program. So that means her security clearance cannot affect is not cleared for anything that's essential to ship functions, which would be warp drive, shields, life support. So But that's just that ship, right? Yeah, that's just that ship, but why? I just think when the captain locks out the ship controls, it's probably impossible for anybody to get into the ship. Even the Admiral? 
Yeah, but think about it. If you had a rogue admiral, that's I see that as a security measure to prevent some rogue admiral or rogue general or rogue whoever rogue from the X Men. I don't know, but, <laughs> but let, also, you know somebody coming in and you know taking over the ship. Put yourself in Starfleet shoes. You build the ship. What's more likely? Well, I mean, what, what would you more likely secure against a rogue admiral or a rogue captain? What's more likely? So I would think they would have some kind of contingencies in place because I would feel like Starfleet would be more worried about a captain that already has full control of the ship taking over the ship or doing his own mission outside of Starfleet and Starfleet having to intervene. So there would be some sort of failsafe for that. Yeah. Okay. So to answer your question, if I were if I were putting myself into Starfleet shoes and I had that rogue captain it wouldn't be a singular person there would be at least two points of of override Mm. whatever those may be good point good point i don't think i had a problem with that to me it made sense in the context of of the story we were getting so i didn't really have i didn't have a problem with it i'm just now it's just got me curious so now (laughs) theories are going like what is this ship Mm. why can't an admiral alone access every part of the ship so let me think what's it Okay, we may have to do some research and come back on the next episode and talk about it. But I, there has to be have been at least one instance where this has happened already. I'm thinking of a TOS episode, but I need to go back and get that exact mm-hmm. episode name. Uh, I know of two TOS episodes where Admiral's on board. And I mean, there was a formality that the captain had to pass off control. But I don't think there was. I think that Admiral had, could have just taken control. Hmm. All right. Well, let's put that out there for the people listening and we'll do some research ourselves. <laughs> Command codes. Should Admiral or does the Admiral have override? Hmm. Both make great points. Yeah. So any other takeaways? Yes. From this episode. So, Clarence, a long time ago, we had a discussion. <laughs> we reviewed an Enterprise episode where two ships combined their warp bubble and somebody was outside and you <laughs> yes. did not like it. <laughs> this, this this was a trip, a trip. Uh, was it Trip and Wills? I can't remember. It was, it was, it was just Trip. He was uh, transferring between the Columbia back to the Enterprise to help yes. him solve a problem. So it, it's not quite the same. Wow. It's a little bit the same. I but did not you remember. Didn't like that. I did not <laughs> you, remember that. <laughs> you did not like that idea. So I wanted to know how you felt about this one. Dude, I I did not remember that, but it is the exact same situation. And I give them a lot of credit for establishing that there was a warp bubble early on. Even before we got to the part where we got outside of the ship, they said that we need to link warp bubbles. And they even had an issue where they were talking about we couldn't communicate because of the warp bubble, you know. So I give them a lot of credit for foreshadowing and and making that point way before we ever got to the point where they went outside of the ship. So I, I I did probably hate it in that Enterprise episode, I'll admit, but pretty cool here. And yeah. it's established canon at this point, so I'm down for it. Spoilers, my trick trivia is going to concern that. So Cool. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think, is there anything else in the episode that we need to talk about? Of course, by the end of it, everybody is back where they're supposed to be. We got this great moment of uh, um, Murph extending Dow's body to make the connection. And 
Janeway makes this comment, sorry about this, or just gonna hurt. I can't remember exactly what Just gonna sting. (laughs) (laughs) And she shoots him to complete the transfer and all is well. Well, the other thing we didn't talk about was the realization or the information we got from Admiral Janeway that Dow will never be allowed in Starfleet. Yeah. And see, that is another example of tying back into Strange New Worlds. Yep. Mm. Yeah, with uh, number one. So certainly, yep. and we got the heartbreaking episode from that. So great job of, of bringing that around. And I'm going to push back on them a little bit because the, we have an example of an augment being being allowed to stay in Starfleet. Do we? And that, Dr. Julian Bashir. Mm. He was genetically augmented. Now, not with strength and speed, but everything else. He was genetically augmented and they they held they held a trial and they brought up the same same concerns Janeway did because of the eugenic wars. Genetically augmented people are not allowed to serve in Starfleet. They let him stay, but he he I don't think they would have let somebody new in the Starfleet Academy. And I think that's what what the point uh, was in this episode. They'd never let him in. But, you know, after the fact, what are you going to do? You know, and <laughs> good point, though, on Julian Bashir. Yeah, that's a, a glaring example of, of somebody who, you know, he was just better than everybody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not scared to tell him. <laughs> oh, the cockiness but on that one. <laughs> it was it's it was kind of a heartbreaking moment to hear that. And I know, you know, just for the sake of the good show. That they're going to figure out a way like the writers will figure out a way. But in that moment, like the person that most wanted to be in Starfleet, the person that was fighting the hardest for this, the person that has no control over what how he became mm. to be is not going to be allowed in, in Starfleet. And he doesn't know that yet. And it's just a good point. Again, like Cal said, going back to Strange New Worlds, but of all of the utopian advancement of Starfleet and everything's free and pursue your dreams and they have this one glaring point of bigotry still in the system for maybe obvious reasons it's not necessarily bigotry they're still allowed to be part of federation just can't serve in starfleet (laughs) and they may have to do some jail time (laughs) okay (laughs) and okay and then let me walk back my previous statement so Bashir was allowed to stay in Starfleet, but his father ended up having to do jail time. Really? Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't remember that. So Jeez. technically, he didn't get away with it, but his somebody had to pay for it. And so his father served the sentence. Wow. I don't even remember his father being on the show. I didn't yeah, you remember his, his father and mom came because he was being... He got nominated for one of those high up medical awards and they ended up coming out. Yeah. And again, that situation where... It really wasn't. He really didn't have a choice in the matter, you know. Right. It, it kind of reminds me a bit of this whole debacle we had with the people getting into the Harvard and and Ivy League schools by right. paying the coaches and stuff. <laughs> you know, well, the kids really didn't have much to do with that, but you know, put the parents in jail. So, cool. and they did, <laughs> and they did, they did. <laughs> All right, guys. If no other points, I think we're almost ready, or just about ready to give ratings for the episode. Yes, sir. And cool. And if you wonder why I've been quiet for the last few minutes, I'm trying to find the answer to our Admiral question. And everything that I am finding just in a random Google search for uh, Star Trek admirals, it basically pretty much puts them as 
the diplomatic. They can assign captains. They can remove captains. But I'm not finding anything where they can take control of a ship. Hmm. Now, now, that's just in me while you guys were talking, trying to find uh, randomly across the Internet. So I'm probably wrong. But that's just what I'm finding right now. Well, I'll say this. And I obviously have watched a lot of Trek. And I have not seen an instance where an admiral forcibly take, took over a starship. What about Jellico? Even that one, he didn't forcibly take over. Uh, he was given that was the episode where he was the captain had to go to that training. Those are orders from Starfleet. Yeah, it was orders from Starfleet. So he again, the cap, captain willingly gave control. Now, he didn't want to give back, <laughs> which is yeah. a whole nother discussion. But. All right. Well, with that, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Cal Jones, give us your rating, sir. I'm going to give this a 4.5 out of 5. All right. That's a 4.5 from Mr. Jones. I'm going to give this one maybe a 4.6. I really enjoy. I mean, on the face of it is a lot going on. Nah, not really. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it watching it back a second time. So and just the performances. If you know, if you're coming for the performances, I just love the awkwardness and the hilarity of seeing Jane Wape or Kate McGrew play Dal and, and vice versa. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. What about you, John? So I, you know, through our discussion, <clears throat> I don't think we disagreed on anything amongst each other. I don't think we really made we really pointed out anything we disliked. So I would assume by that logic, I would be kind of in the same boat with you guys. But I'm listening to your writings and I feel like through our discussion, I feel like I may have enjoyed this more than you guys. So I'm mm. going to go four, seven, five. All right. So everybody listening, what did you think of this episode? What did you think about our comments about this episode? Do we get something wrong? We want to hear from you. You can send that into fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. You can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week? All right. The good old warp bubble transfer. <laughs> we have sort of seen this happen before in Trek, like I mentioned earlier. That was on season four, episode 16 of Enterprise called Divergence Part 2. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, Trip had to transfer from one ship to the other. Wasn't necessarily a single person transfer, but it was still someone suspended from some sort of line inside the warp bubble outside of the ships. My question, my trivia question is, what was the real life inspiration for this process? So hmm. the trick producers, writers, etc. pulled and pulled inspiration from something to make this scene. If I were to guess, I would think of something maybe like a, I don't know, like a, 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 a drifting. What do you call it? One of the aerodynamics of a car or something? Maybe I don't No, It's a, it's a little bit more direct link. It's a little more direct inspiration. Huh? I don't have a clue. <laughs> and there's a formal name for this procedure. And in this procedure, it's it, the word in this procedure is called chair. That's part of this. In the formal name. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Well, let me say this before I give up. But the only other thing I can think of that's even close is when you like refuel a, a, a F-15 in midair or something. 
No, that's not it either. It's <laughs> even more direct inspiration than that. All right. Well, um, give us that question one more time, John, for the people listening. Okay. So what was the real life inspiration for the process that originally came in Enterprise? And it's the process of a person being suspended between two ships on the outside of two ships within a warp bubble. All right. There you have it, folks. Again, thank each and every one of you for listening. Thanks to John and Cal for joining me for this episode. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Get buckets. Get buckets. Get buckets. 23. <laughs> <laughs>